0: Welcome to Floods of Justice. Today we are discussing what is going on in this world. We'll be right back.
1: If you have your Bibles, open them to Amos chapter 5, and I want to read verse 24, where the prophet Amos says,
0: I want to see a mighty flood of justice, justice, justice. Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Led by Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs, affectionately known as Pastor Kevin or Rev Kev, he is the senior pastor of Franklin Community Church and founder of Franklin Community Development in Franklin, Tennessee. He is also a published author, teacher, professor, activist, abolitionist, husband, father, grandfather, scuba diver, and coffee connoisseur, which is why this podcast is brought to you from the coffee house at Second and Bridge in downtown Franklin. Let's begin the conversation. Boy, what is going on? Is right. You suggested that as a title, and then when it came out, I was like, "That's like the most appropriate <laughs> title." I looked at the news feed this morning, and I was like, "What is going on? Like, it's it's crazy." I but, didn't even look at the was, news
1: feed this morning.
0: I got up a little late and hurried up and got dressed, but I did. I yeah. did. How are you, Pastor well, Kevin? What's going on? Anything new? <laughs> what is? Not much. Boy, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel for things to talk about. It's. I mean, is it? it in all seriousness, is it's it's, it's really disappointing and, and disturbing things that are going on. But when you look at it too, it's just, it's, it, it's chaos, chaos, yeah. chaos. I like yeah, to put the I, wrong syllable on the I mean, I did syllable. stay up late
1: last night later and I should have probably watching, yeah. uh, watching everything and, and, uh, you know, I, just, I of course it's incredibly sad. I mean, the part of me that watches it kind of from a sociological perspective, just kind of, uh, you know, looking at it through that lens is not trying to downplay at all the seriousness though, it, because it's very serious, but, but just seeing how things shape, I mentioned last week that really. Really what we're in, and when you see a lot of what's going on, it's, it's, it's enemy, uh, A-N-O-M-I-E, which simply means that the norms are no longer strong enough to um, to control people, and uh, or no one knows what the norms are anymore. Yeah. So there's a new normal being formed, and it's just another word for chaos, but it just, it just kind of helps explain that the reason you have the chaos is that people— um, the norm, you know, most people, I like to tell people, most people obey the, <laughs> obey the law not because they're afraid of going to jail, but they're afraid of what other people are going to think when they get arrested. You know, so you have the perp walk when, you know people want to hide their faces because that social control is a stronger element than the law, really. And so when enemy occurs, under, no, uh, under other circumstances, what was normal and what would keep people quote-unquote in line breaks down, and, uh, and then people start acting. Um, just however how they want to. Now part of it is justified because of of things that have been going on, and it's like, well, if you would have said, if you could have solved this issue, or if you'd have done something years ago, then we wouldn't have been here. Uh, but you didn't listen then. You didn't listen then. You didn't listen then. You didn't listen then. And then of course leadership. We have a leadership void in our country, um, and so now it's 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 we're and the pandemic. <laughs> I mean, yeah. this is
2: just a people are desperate. Yeah, people yeah.
1: are desperate, and people you know people have been inside. Uh, for a long time people are unemployed not you know not there's not a whole lot going on and then uh, what happened uh, with uh, George Floyd uh, was just you know things were ready to explode and that was such a horrible um, crime I mean it was it was murder you can't get around that Um, and then everything just kind of you know we went from being scared to be in large groups to you know 10, 20,000 people in yeah. the group. Yeah. Defending uh, for our lives. Yeah, defending, yeah, you know, and so so we'll see what happens in a couple weeks. Uh, well, as you're far as with the you pandemic. probably
0: noticed a new voice here, and we have yeah. a special guest this, this morning. So, Kevin, why don't you yeah, go let's ahead just and introduce him, because I I, I, I want to hear, well, hear you, know, you on
1: this. you so. know, <laughs> I had a, uh, I have a good friend with me here uh, this morning, Howard Garrett. We met a couple years ago. Um, he he ran for office here locally and, and wanted me to uh, be his treasurer. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, I'll do that, I don't have to do anything." So, um- <laughs> as long as I have to be good at numbers, <laughs> treasurer doesn't have to
0: be good at numbers.
1: <laughs> so I got to know him uh, through that. And I, I've been treasurer now for a couple of people running for office, and I haven't won anything yet. <laughs> so, so if you're running for office, you may not want me yeah. uh, uh, helping you out. But he ran. A, he's a, he's a young man, just ran a ran a, a great job, um, and I'm very very Thank proud you. of him. But. In addition to that, he's a manager, he's a minister, he's a pastor, he's an activist, he's a politician, and most importantly, he drives a Jeep. So that's <laughs> the uh, that's the most important thing I can say about him. But uh, but he he's a young man, and, and I posted a week or so ago that that uh, you know uh, I've been trying to do whatever I can with racial reconciliation for a long time, and I feel like I don't know anything anymore because it seems like things have gotten worse, and I need to put myself in a Position just to listen and learn, so that's really what I want to do today. Is just listen to Howard share from his perspective. He was at the uh, protest, the peaceful protest um, Saturday, and uh, I know he's got a lot on his mind, and and like a lot of my African American friends, is just tired, just tired of what's going on, and tired of having to to yet deal again with the uh, um, with the racism and, and the different things that are going on in our country. So Howard, welcome. Thank you Ken, for having and me. Just, we just want to learn, just want to talk to you and, and uh, see how you're doing. So,
2: Yeah, it's been a, a week. Um, I think, honestly, it just, um, I've been trying to process a lot of this stuff that's going on, um, and it really hit me over the weekend uh, just to see um, the reaction of people and friends um, that are in my circle um, in the silence of my white friends as well. Um, And, you know, just different people talking out um, and saying a bunch of foolishness, honestly. Um, And I think more so of it is because they're not allowing themselves to be put in a black person's shoes to understand the hurt Um, and the confusion that's going on um, in America. And just to see how it's so easily... To defend an establishment rather than it is to defend a black person's life, um, and that hurts. It, it hurts a lot. Um, but it's unfortunately our reality. Um, and one thing that keeps me motivated, um, is that you know we've been here before as a black person. The black people have been here before, and um, the reality of the matter is we will persevere, um, and we will overcome. Um, but as society goes on and as our, we have lack of leadership in office, sometimes that um, dream is washed away because there's really no support from the higher leadership. We have our president who's nowhere to be found. And we have people who um, represent Tennessee, um, Senator Marsha Blackburn, and um, represent um, Senator Alexander is just... It's beyond us. It's just like we have no representation, honestly. It feels like. And so we're basically here to fend for ourselves if we feel as if we have to find the solutions or um, get to the finish line.
0: So am I hearing, <clears throat> hearing you correct? You feel politically there's, there's nobody nobody out watching out for you. And then socially in your, in your circles, it's reflected the same from a lot of your white friends that nobody is, is looking out. Are you nobody
2: well, speaking um, up well um, let me let me make that a little bit clear I have white friends that are being very vocal sure. like a lot of them a majority of my political friends are very vocal on the line Pastor Kevin Riggs does a great job um, and then you know people from the Democratic Party they are they're putting their face on the front line which is appreciative but then I have other friends from like high school um, co-workers and everything, it's just sometimes um, it gets weary when you feel as if, you know, these people truly loved you or you thought that they loved you. But when you go through their Facebook page, it's complete silence. And maybe it's because, you know, I don't want to jump to conclusions, but maybe it's because they just don't know what to say or they're afraid to say the wrong thing. But I think, you know, this is the moment and opportunity to step out of that comfort zone um, and the least you can just say is, "I'm here with you." Yeah. And I think you know a lot of people are just scared because it's you just don't know which way to turn because every way you turn, it's chaos <laughs> nowadays. Yeah. So it's it's just something to adjust adjust to. Is angry, you know you feel angry. You feel lost, and um, my number one priority is just to um, be active. Um, and also make sure that I'm on the front line as well, learning as much as people learning from people who know more than I am, um and then also educating my base as well um to ensure that this thing is figured out, and we will have to continue to fight until justice is served, and there is a solution for black people um to live in a country that we've built and not have our lives risked every single day,
0: yeah, well, I think. If, if you're listening and you are white and you have perhaps not said anything yet, and let's just, I guess, look at, at social media, it's, it, it it sounds that it would be important and impactful to even just make a simple statement of, I hear you, I see you, and, and I'm sorry, and I stand by you. And because, you know, to your credit, I think, I think there are some people that are afraid to post things some some people that would support you mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily want the conflict and the chaos that comes on to their facebook page but it it, it there's people that are really hurting and yeah. and and dying and and really wanting to hear from their from their friends so as a white person myself i i would ask white people out there to to take a step out and of your comfort zone and and it can be something as simple as, as a little post of, "I stand in support of my African American friends, of my friends who are people of color," and, uh, and go from from there. I don't know, if, Kevin, if yeah, you have no, some I I think on it on. really is.
1: You know, I'm serious when I say it's really a posture of, um, of listening and uh, and just letting people, uh, letting our minority friends, or black friends, say whatever it is they feel. And uh, and and not be in a place of yeah, but what about this? Well, yeah, but what about this? Or well, my ancestor didn't do that. Or my, you know, and we automatically start to get defensive, or and we automatically jump to the rioting. We forget about um, the the event that caused the rioting. We forget about the economic plight. Um, you know, where the, the, uh, in American history, the two people, uh, the two groups of people that we abused, and uh, um, the Native Americans and the African Americans. Are still at the bottom of the scale on every social economic scale you can put. Still, after all these years, they're they're still on the bottom, and uh, um, and you know so they're a small percentage of the country, but they but they have a large percentage of the poverty. Small percentage of the country, but a large percentage of those who are incarcerated. Um, you know, and so you have all these problems that are systemic. And and you know, there's one meme going around, and I'd heard it before, but the meme just kind of brought it, uh, where it's really where it's not it's not that our country or that our systems are broken it was built that it way. was built this yeah. way yeah you know our systems were built this way if you go back and see the founding documents and the fact we talked about this a few weeks ago where only landowners could could vote so even a poor white person couldn't vote at the founding of the of, the, uh, of our country and so and so the systems have been in place you know uh, the, the only way you can have everybody is free everybody has equal rights but you have slaves as well well the the black Americans is only three-fifths human you know, and so that, and so okay, we got that. So that's in place, and that's still on the books in some in some uh, states. You know, it's never really been changed, but it's still on the books. You didn't have, you know, the Native Americans were the very last ones to get voting rights, which we talked about uh, a few weeks ago, and they still don't have really any representation. Yeah. Um, you know, at all. Um, you know, um, it just there. You know, there's not a, there's not a, a you know, a guy that I'm familiar with were. we're Acquaintances, not friends, but he tossed the idea around a few years ago of having a virtual state for Native Americans, so that that way you had to have at least two Native American representatives in Washington at all time, yeah. you know, in the Congress. And um, of course, that didn't get anywhere. Uh, and so, there, and so, you have these you have these problems and that are that are systemic at the at the root. And so, the, and then you see it when what happens with George Floyd uh, happened. I mean, I don't understand that at all now they i did see this morning that came through facebook of some videos that are going to show george floyd fighting back and so they're, they're they're trying to create a narrative that justifies what happened you know but he was handcuffed yeah. so if he was a little agitated being handcuffed that still doesn't deserve his well, neck <laughs> being shoved yeah into concrete, that, that still yeah. doesn't yeah. deserve that i mean if you're handcuffed your hands behind your back And, you know, they talk about him being a big guy, and I'm thinking, boy, he must have been big. And then they said he's 6'4", and I'm like, well, that's me.
2: (laughs) And I think the problem is, another issue is that we have um, police officers in the wrong neighborhoods. And so they get into these neighborhoods, and not only are there racist police, but they're in fear. And so they respond out of hatred and in fear. And there's a lack of training. There's a lack of... um, diversity in majority of police precincts that they put the wrong people in neighborhoods who are not there to do their job but there to cause harm and fear and end up in killing
1: yeah there's no neighborhood patrol basically exactly you know back in the day again back in the day and of course back in the day it wasn't really any better but you had you know the police officers would live in the neighborhood and of course in our country or in our county and city with with prices being so high you know the police officers are coming in from other counties, uh, and so not only are they not in our neighborhoods, they're not even in our city they're because they don't get paid enough. Um, <clears throat> and oftentimes, you do get what you pay for, you know. So they don't get paid enough. They don't know the people in the community, and the only thing they do know about the people in the community is the ones that they run into all the time who are quote you know troublemakers. You know, we had a good friend, a homeless guy named Jeff who who died back in this. Of course, all the police knew who he was because everybody had arrested him, yeah. and and he was basically friends with everybody. But every, but yet. They, you know, but the only people they know are the people they have interactions with. Instead of being out there in the community, and then because of history, when you do get them into the community, then all of a sudden, there there is a fear factor. I mean, we've had events in the community before where we wanted the police to come in, and then because the police were there, then then people in the community wouldn't. Some people in the community wouldn't come because, well, you know, I've got a outstanding warrant. You know, ran a stop sign or something. I, you know, so now all of a sudden you have this. There's just no trust, and mainly because they don't know.
2: And I think that's something that
1: the um, police structure needs
2: to figure out is why, you know, because, you know, as a community person, as a black man, we shouldn't or black people shouldn't have to fear. Mm -hmm. We should feel protected. So if it because, you know, you have an event and black people don't want to show up because they're in fear, then that's a problem that the police department needs to figure out and figure out that culturally and how to fix and mend that broken vessel because if we live in fear this will continue to go on and more black lives will be lost because of this fear um this miseducation of bl- black people um and also just not understanding why people live the way they live and where the hurt and harm is coming from and that i think that's a huge piece um that many people or many police officers lack of is just they're not culturally aware and it's racism which is taught and it's just a fear of being in environments that they're
1: not comfortable in. Yeah. And then we have not even talked about the militarization of the police force. You know, I remember this really came to my mind watching the Ferguson riots years ago, that all of a sudden it looked like you had you had protesters and their um people, you know, they got they're throwing water bottles or throwing rocks and stuff like that. But then on the other side you have a fully equipped military with with these huge guns, these huge vehicles, these huge, and that automatically, like, I, again, I don't, I didn't read all the details, but you're, you, are you from Murfreesboro originally? I'm um, from Clarksville. Clarksville, mm-hmm. but you were you in, did you uh, For college, yeah. Yeah, well, the, on the news last night, did you yeah. see that at mm-hmm. MTSU, the, these, it looked like only less than 50 yeah. people, uh, students in the middle of the road sitting down doing a silent protest, and the, <laughs> and, and the police come in with this big Tank-looking vehicle and immediately start tear gassing there's 50 people, <laughs> and it was like just wait, let them do what they need to do and they're they're gonna it's, it, this is not a problem. But then all of a sudden it becomes a problem because now you tear gassed and now mm-hmm. everybody you know it goes from it, it just gets escalated instead of escalating, It just boom, it just shoots up. Uh, and this was in it was daytime. It wasn't even yeah. it wasn't even night yet. I mean it was just daytime and and uh, and so I'm thinking, man, that could have. And I've seen it some in our community when they've done. Different sting operations, and the they, and our community brings out the big military-style um, weapons. And in their mind, from the police perspective, it's 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 you overwhelm them with power. People will, you know, that keeps the officers safe because you've got such a huge display of power. At least that's that's the theory. But I'm thinking, yeah, but just one slip of the finger here or there, and you've got. But then again, we also
2: have. People who white supremacist groups who go to the courthouse yeah. in downtown Nashville with their rifles and there's no army called out. Um, if the police are called out, they're there to protect them. And, you know, where I mean, it's just like it's an ugly picture.
1: Yeah, you know, we had ugly. that here. I don't know if you remember this. We had that here when, um, after the Charlottesville thing, we had a rally in downtown Franklin and, mm-hmm. and I made a couple statements that got me in some trouble. Um, and so there was fear that somebody were going to come downtown and do something to our Confederate monument downtown. And so uh, these good old boys all gathered around the downtown Franklin with their shotguns and rifles to protect it. And nothing, you know, because, well, they have a right to bear arms. And I couldn't help but think then, well, what if this would have been a bunch of uh, uh, And we have a right to live as black people. Yeah. What if they'd have been down here with their guns protecting uh, something? It would have been, it would have been totally, a totally different perspective and a totally different outcome, I think, in reaction to that. So, yeah, but so these things are systemic. Yep, and the
2: system was built like that. And we just have to continue to fight this long fight of dismantling that system. And, you know, it's, it's sad that we have to um, fight to let people know that we're humans. That's, it's an ugly fight. It's a tiring fight. And it's hurtful, like, you know, having just have, you have to imagine, you know, we have to put on our Superman clothes to walk around and just to keep our communities up. But when we get behind closed doors, it breaks you down um, to know that we're looked like that. And sometimes it feels as if we're target practice for police officers and to feel as if that we can't walk down the street, we can't run in our neighborhoods, we can't have a bag of skittles or wear hoodies walking down the street like that's it's very tiring and it's something that young black people are looking up and asking having questions you know asking parents will that be me one day like that takes a huge impact and to know that we don't have um leadership in office who has yet to make some type of statement for unity and calling out um these terrorists who are really doing the damage in our communities um, it, it's hurtful um it's very hurtful and that's why it's important that you know we have to stick together um embrace the circle that you have um, who are calling um, each other holding each other accountable um and so that's what we have to continue to fight on and stay strong and don't lose focus um, because as soon as you lose focus something else is Going to happen and knock you down,
1: but but it's fatigue. You know you can call yeah. it. You know because if, if you always have to live with your guard up, mm-hmm. you know that that does mental. Yeah, that that messes with you. And 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 there's that fatigue. So whoever's hearing this, it's just it's it's not one event. It's it's you know it's death by a thousand cuts. It's yeah. it's every day something is happen something happens um, to kind of remind you know well, I'm not part of the dominant culture, or that person looked at me weird, or this person's following me, or this person, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and at times, it could be an innocent thing, but, but if you're brought up that way, it, that, then it's just automatically. Yeah. When I was teaching sociology, I would tell people, you know, it's like, if I go into a restaurant, and they give me a bad table, and I get bad service, well, the thought never occurs to me, they're treating me this way because I'm white. You know, that just never crosses <clears> my <throat> mind. My mind is, let me talk to the manager. I want to get this straight right now. Whereas a person of a minority, if that happens to them, right or wrong, the thought's going to cross their mind. This is happening to me because of the color of my skin. And, and it could have just been a bad restaurant, but it doesn't matter because there's plenty of evidences in history when it, when it wasn't that. And so that's where, you know, we got, but I've already said more than I wanted to say, but I, cause I really just want to hear from you. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, it's just, you made a good point. It's just like
2: these events continue to happen and, We've, we're continuing to do, try to do peaceful protests. And it's just like, that's why a lot of people are turning to destruction of buildings is because we tried the peaceful thing. We've, and we've been called names, Kaepernick for prime example. Um, we've tried the peaceful protest and now people, black people are running out of solutions. And, you know, and especially it's angering very angering when you hear uh, people will talk about stop looting and stop tearing down our establishments but have yet to say anything as to why people are reacting to what they're reacting to and not even acknowledging that black lives are being killed off because of racist cops um, who continue to do this day after day and then don't even be held accountable for it. You know, there's three officers that are still living their best lives and not even been taken into custody. And then you charge one of them with third, third degree murder and manslaughter. It's just like a slap, it's just like do, how it shows how America really sees our lives. Or you get murdered and you don't get charged. Or you get two years in prison. Like it's just, it's, it's wild. It's wild. And so people are at this point Enough is enough. Like, you need to recognize this or things will get bad.
0: Well, the systemic part of that is what's especially upsetting because you have one one part of it where there's the incident of the interaction between a policeman Mm -hmm. and a person of color. That is 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 troublesome and horrible in itself. And then on top of it is the delay in the charges, yeah. is the racism between the district attorneys and the judges yep. and the politicians. And, and that's where it just escalates. And, and I feel like people of color see that. They've seen it for yeah. hundreds of years. And there are people that have this blind spot that don't see that. They just want to focus on, oh, you know, they'll say, well, well he was probably asking for it or what was, what was he doing? And then they don't see any, I mean, first of all, he wasn't doing anything that deserved what What happened to him. We're talking about uh, George here. Uh, But for white people to then ignore that the injustice didn't just happen there. It continued on by the fact that there were no charges or there's a delay in the charges or like you said they get a slap on the hand and and, and that's it. And I mean I I, I look at the systemic part and I I feel like we overlook how how evil the intent was behind Mm -hmm. that that it's not just that people of color are are overlooked or neglected, it's that it was intentionally designed. Like the system was designed by people going, all right, so how do we, how do we maliciously set this up? So we look like we're God fearing people, but we're going to build this system that over decades and decades and decades are going to put people into marginalized communities that we can control and annihilate and eventually make disappear. And that's, that's horrible. I'm, I'm, like, just disgusted by, by what's been done in history. It's
2: almost like um, the police community do does more work in crisis management to save their police officers' lives than they do training the police officers not to kill black people. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Um, and when you see George Floyd and watch the video, and I watched it, um, Don Lemon showed it last night. Um, he was on um, with, I think it was D.L. Hughley or someone else, um, and had created a video, of the entire video of it. And George Floyd was literally on the ground saying, I can't breathe. And then to the point where he's calling out for his mom, who I th- was told that died two years ago, and she's not even living. And so it's just like, in the police officer is literally looking into the camera with his knee in yeah. his neck you can't tell me that wasn't intentional like it's it's and then you have other police officers that are just standing around like this is normal it's sad Yeah, it's- yeah and this
1: and this one too cuz you know cuz unfortunately we've seen a lot of these but on that on with George Floyd then you had the people watching saying you're killing him you're killing yeah. him get off of him get off of him and and at least one guy starts to try to move to the police officer and the other police officers you know pushing back because there's a part of me i would like to think i would hope i would you know, okay, I'm, I'm either gonna get shot or arrested myself, yeah. but this guy has got to get off this guy's neck or he's gonna die. You know, and people, and so people are around telling him that. And then the one officer reaches down and feels his pulse, and you can see it on the video, and he, and he says there's no pulse, and yet he's he, enough for another two minutes, he's got his knee on him. And it's just like, this is, you know, regardless of what he did or didn't, and, and over, I've heard two stories, either he wrote a bad check or he passed a $20 counterfeit bill. But either way, over twenty dollars, <laughs> over twenty dollars, you 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 do that. Uh, it's just like you know uh, Gardner um, selling cigarettes,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, which is illegal to sell single single cigarettes. I mean, it's illegal here in Franklin. I, I know stores who do it, but but they, you know, but that's all he's doing is selling cigarettes. And because um, they showed that video again where he's mm-hmm. like, look, officers, I'm not doing anything. Just quit hassling me. And then that yeah. guy comes up from behind him and chokes him. And, and- chokes him. Dude,
2: that video was with the um, yeah. George Floyd video last night on CNN. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, I don't know what it is. It's it's fear and it's just racist tactics that it's just the system. And it just seems as if they just go in and it's just like they are full intent of, having this power struggle of getting it done. And then when it happens, then they want to act all confused and that's when their crisis crisis management starts kicking in. It's just like, no, you just killed a black life. You just killed someone's child, someone's dad, someone's brother. And you have politicians and leaders of the community who are in silence. But then when the riots come, when the protests come, that's when they want to stick their head out and say something. It's just like, you're don't under you not understanding our struggle, and more so you don't fend or care about our life. But yet, you're here in office, you're supposed to be representing us, you're supposed to be protecting us, but you're doing the complete opposite. And it's dangerous. Yeah. It's really dangerous. I mean, it's going to be like, you think this is bad? Like, if none of these people get convicted, it's going to be a huge war out in the streets. Because p- black people are tired. Yeah it's it's tiring I mean i I hate to you know even with my mom um you know when I was running for office, she called me every single day um because I was people were harassing me on my Facebook page and it was just getting rough and it's and I'm her only boy um so she's scared every single day, and it's terrifying and it's hurtful to have my mom live in fear like that to know that one day I could potentially be someone and my name could be on someone's T-shirt. Yeah. That's the fear that I have to live in. You know, like just when a police officer drives and I'm driving my car and a police officer gets behind me, like my heart starts panicking and I just start thinking, okay, do I need to turn on my Facebook Live? Do I need to record the video? Like, you know, that's, that's the shift that goes through my mind. And it's scary, and no one should have to live like that. No one's parents should have to worry about their child um, having to fear for their life because of ignorance. But unfortunately, that is our reality. But it has to change. It has to change.
0: The Floods of Justice podcast is brought to you by The Coffee House at Second and Bridge. Since 1904, they have stood at the corner of Second and Bridge Street in the heart of downtown Franklin. Their house-made menu items are crafted with care and love. Baked goods are made from scratch each morning, and specialty coffee is always ground and brewed fresh. So come on down, wander the rooms, join us at the coffee bar, and find a space to enjoy the food, the drink, and maybe even a recording of the Floods of Justice podcast. We have been discussing current state of affairs in our country, um, in racial tensions, and police brutality, and the the black experience. Um, Thank you, Howard. You've been very helpful um, on this, and, and we're going to continue talking more. But, uh, Kevin, I think you had something that
1: you want to Yeah, wanna... I want to try to shift it just a little bit because, you know, we're talking in theory. Not, I mean, it's reality, but, you know, George Floyd is in Minneapolis. Um, you know, this, this stuff's kind of happening all out there, not here at home. Is at least that's what we tell ourselves uh, from that. But uh, yesterday I was walking the community. Uh, where where we do a lot of ministry, <clears throat> and a mom came up to me. This is just yesterday. <clears throat> Excuse me, and um, she wanted me to pray for her because her daughter, um, who lives in Giles County, so just a few counties away from us, that morning, that Sunday morning, was on her way to work, and the police pulled her over in Giles County, and um, and so you had an African American lady in in Giles County, and uh, and so the officers were white, and at first they told her that there was a broken tail light. And there was no broken tail light. And then they told her that she looked like um, someone, a suspect they were looking for who had guns in her vehicle. And she said, I don't that's not me. I don't have any guns in my vehicle. Um, and then they said, well, we can smell weed. And so they got her, they took her out of her car and destroyed her car. Didn't find weed, didn't find any paraphernalia. didn't find any, any guns, didn't find anything, but just harassed her on her on her way to work and then when she got to work uh, her manager had to just send her to the break room because she was so visibly shaken you know um that she couldn't you know, she she had to calm down and so uh, now again you know okay that's just one side of the story okay but if you hear that one side of the story enough and i've heard it over and over and over and over again then it's like well there's got to be more you know there's got to be more to it um than this and again you know, and, and, and I don't know if this makes any sense, and please help me if I'm wrong. From my perspective, if that would have been my daughter, well, I'd have immediately been on the phone. I need to talk to the chief of police. I need to talk to the sheriff. I'm not putting up with this. But because of history, mm-hmm. then, you know, the, the, that happens to a minority, and then they feel powerless to do anything about it. Because, well, if I, if I call the sheriff, it's just going to make it worse. Where in my mind, I want to remind the sheriff that he works for me. Or nothing's going to you know, be done yeah. about it. You yeah. know, I vote, you know, you, you, you're an elected, and so, and so you have this, this beat-down syndrome, I guess, where it's like, and so I gave yeah. her the, the number and the contact I had at Legal Aid. You know, I said, look, they may not be able to do anything because it's going to be he said, she said, but they at least want to know so they can write it down. Here's another incident, you know, because I'm sure somebody is keeping record of all these incidents that I happen <laughs> across the, yeah. the state of Tennessee, you know, so, so you at least need to call and report it. Um, and let them if they think there's enough here to actually do something to, to Giles County to do it. So anyway, so you know I don't want to um, get anybody in trouble. I'm just trying to bring attention to this. So let's forget about um, other parts of the country. You ran for office in in uh, in Franklin, uh, and to hear you say earlier that your mom was scared when every political position is important, but this was just a local office, right? Yeah. Just for the city of Franklin. It wasn't state. It wasn't federal. It was to be an alderman uh, in, our, in our city, not even our county, just the city of Franklin. Uh, but just you know, tell me what that was like coming from, from your perspective.
2: Well, um, the journey nonetheless was a, a beautiful journey. I've, I've learned so much about the community, um, knocking on people's doors, hearing um, their concerns about different things around the city um, was refreshing um in a very a humbling experience, um but on the other side, it was also scary as well. Um, before this uh, me running for office, I never really had to or never really faced racism um, personally. I've always saw it um seen other people deal with it, but personally, it was my first experience, um whether it was on facebook, um I remember um we had a A discussion or like a town hall um, debate type of thing and we were all taking pictures Um, we were taking pictures, all the candidates and a comment was made to me um, don't you know you belong in the back and I looked because it caught me off guard and I looked and I don't know if the look scared them or if you know it was a look of surprise but comment after i looked he was just like you know um i'm just playing i'm just playing and that same person everywhere around the city would pop up and say let them know who's really going to win let them know who you're really for like harassing and you know i don't know if i look intimidating but i mean it was just it was weird and it was uncomfortable um and it I had to remind myself of who I was and not stoop down to that level um, of ignorance Um, and wanting to know that, you know, you're doing this for a reason, and this is why you're doing that, because we have to dismantle this system. And so it kept me motivated, but it also kept me on my tippy toes. And there was a lot of nights where I went home and I was just frustrated, and I wanted to write this long status on Facebook. I wanted to blast them out, and I wanted to, you know, do this. But at at the end of the day, I had to remind myself, this is why you're out here. This is what you have to face. And it's unfortunate that you have to face it, but people are depending upon you. And don't allow those systems to demean you, know who you are, know your truth, know your worth. And every day I had to wake up and put my clothes on and hit it again and tackle it, but it was discouraging. Um, and to know that you know we have people leading our communities with this mentality is scary. It's really scary, and that's the sad part. These people are leading our communities, they're leading our churches, they're leading um, different positions around the city and elected offices, and it, it's a horrible feeling to know that these are the mindsets of people who are supposed to be here to represent you. So it was, it, was, it was trying trying.
1: Yeah. Well, I've heard you in the past share at least some of those things, um, and uh, just thought it'd be good for other people to hear um, that. You know, it's 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 everywhere, and uh, it's because it's it's because it's part of our our system. Um, and um, I don't know. I mean, what do you think is going to take the change? I mean, help me out because, I, like I said, I, it's like the last couple weeks have been, uh, and this is my personal struggles are no way near to be compared to what it's like to grow up as an African-American in the United States. So I'm not saying that at all, but my mind has just been like, you know, I feel paralyzed mm-hmm. because of like, I've been trying for 25 years to make a difference in this and things are worse, Yeah, you know? And so it's like, what, H- help me out. <laughs>
2: Man, honestly, I think <clears throat> it's this, this fight is bigger than everyone and it, it will take, um, a communal effort to dissolve this issue. Um, it'll take a lot of prayer um, for guidance and instruction. Um, but importantly, it's important that everyone is being vocal and holding your community accountable. Um, white people holding their families accountable, because not every person, um, not every white person has the mindset that each of you guys have. And I think it's, you know, we can only as a black community or black people, we can only say so much. Um, But when you guys stick up for us and hold other white people accountable and, you know, not only hold them accountable, but educate them as well. um, I think that'll do a lot of work um, in the community. And also we have to hold these police officers accountable as well, making sure not only that they're convicted for you know, looks like pe- they just arrest them for propaganda purposes, but actually convict them and charge them with the crime, and send them to jail for their crimes that they've committed and lives that they've taken away. Um, and then also, don't have police officers in our community looking like military men, like with, like that's a, that's a horrible tactic to use. I mean, especially when they're supposed to be there to protect us, but you're sending them with tear gas and pepper spray and they're with these big guns walking down our communities, we can't do that, we have to dismantle that system as well. We have to spend, defund the police department or we need to put more funding in ensuring that they have all the resources that they need to act accordingly. And more research and investigation needs to be done as to who we're actually hiring as a police officer in our communities. Because if we have a lot of police officers who have racist ideology, and you put them in a blue suit to protect our community is only going to continue that black lives will be lost. Um, And, you know, I saw something the other day where it says we have an issue when we have police officers who only um, can wear the suit after six months. But as a lawyer, it takes years after years of training. And it just brought to my eyes, it's just like, you can't dismantle someone's racist ideology in six months. And they're supposed to After six months, go defend a community, and half of the community is people that they hate. It's a scary thought that this is actually happening. And so, I mean, I don't have all the solutions, um, but one thing I do know is that everyone has to work and fight this system together and also be there, be the foundation, be the strength, um, be the encouraging word. There is a place for every person to fight this system. We just all have to do it together.
0: Well, there was Will Smith was was on a show and other people have said this too. Racism isn't getting worse. It's just getting filmed. Absolute, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, does that for the black community, Does is that encouraging at all? You know, because it's like they've been saying the same thing over and over. Like we're being killed. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. And they, they do. Absolutely. And this is. And now white people are starting to see this. And, you know, you, you hear some of the African-American community go, oh, now you're upset. It's yeah. like, yeah, well, they, I mean, they have every right to say that. <laughs> exactly. Like, they've been saying this for a long time and white people haven't been saying anything. So it's being seen on video. Sorry, is that, in, is that encouraging at all? Is there, is there hope that at least this is being exposed and we can deal with it? Or is it still feeling like, well, you know, we'll see?
2: Well, I don't know if I
0: can say it's encouraging because it's continuing to happen yeah you know
2: like a lot of these killings are being recorded, and people are seeing it, and the police officers are aren't getting um arrested until some it goes viral yeah um and so it's just I don't know if it's encouraging, yes, more people are seeing it, and you know people are aware, but at the end of the day, it's not changing the mindset mm-hmm. of you know the police officers, or it's just kind of feels like it gives them more ammo to. You know, fulfill their power structure, um, and they feel comfortable in their likeness um, that in their privilege that they don't they won't get convicted, and that's the scary part about it. You know, a lot of these killings are being on camera. Police officers are looking into the camera. They're smacking the cameras out of the face, and the life is lost. And it seems like there's still no change or no fear of change being happened because it's being filmed. It's just. I I don't know. Uh, Encouraging, I wouldn't agree with encouraging. It's just bringing, it is bringing more to light. Um, And, you know, it's being put out there like, you know, we're still dealing with this issue. This is not a far-fetched issue. This is a continual thing that's happened to our communities. Um, But still, there's no gun reform. There's no um, systematic reform to fix this issue going on. Um, And that's the problem there's there's no solutions being given out to show that black lives matter
0: i think you brought up a good point too and and that you know outrage is one thing but when outrage only comes because of public pressure it really doesn't mean anything yeah. so it's like you know if if they can get away with it they will if the if the local government if the police if whoever it is thinks they can get away with it all right, then we're just gonna brush it under the carpet, and we're not gonna like deal for
2: Ahmad Aubrey. This happened. This just uh, went viral a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he died and got killed, murdered in February. Right. Dad and son living their best life, and because of social media and because of people sharing videos, that's how this brought attention to that case, mm-hmm. and that's sad. Yeah, um, George Floyd. Officer just got arrested days, weeks after the murder was done. Yeah. Officers are still on the loose as of today, mm-hmm. on administrative leave or fired, like, and that's it. But yeah, you can probably go two counties down and get hired again as a police officer. That's, that's the system that's being built or that was built mm-hmm. and being played off continually. Yeah. It's, a, it's a scary thing, man. It's a scary thing.
1: Yeah, and again, this is just what we've seen on video. I mean, being in the prisons and jails. And again, I know, you know, okay, this is, I'm only hearing one side of the story because I'm talking to the inmates, you know, uh, the people who have been accused and and charged and are in, in prison or jail. But then, but to hear them tell some of their stories of what they have seen and what has happened to them. Um, just through the course of their lives, with their interactions with with the police officers, and then, you know, and and they will all tell you that they, <laughs> the, it, the county level is like the worst. You know, you, the, the mistreatment at the county level um, uh, with sheriffs and deputies, and then you go to jail at the county level. You know, it's just it's just it's horror stories just of of the abuse that, that at least they they talk about it. Again, I say the caveat, I know, and I haven't talked to the police officers about it, but just hear their stories. But after a while, when you hear these stories over and over and over and over and over again, then it, you know, it starts to, wait a minute, there, mm-hmm. there is, there's a lot of truth, um, you know, to, to what I'm hearing uh, with these, you know, because it's the same type of incidents and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, which jail or which prison it is and the people are totally not connected. They don't know each other, but they're telling you their The same life experiences are the same, and and you know. So what? What all has happened that we have not seen? Uh, you know. And so Will Smith, I think, is right. We've just uh, we we've, we've just seen it now. Yeah. You know. And when you see it, you have to deal with it. You have to. Well, you know. and you can't
0: debate with it. Like the police can't just team up with themselves, with no. the lawyers and the local, to say, "No, we're going to override. You claim this, but here we've got ten people that are going to say otherwise." And you go, "Yeah, well, we've got a video yeah. that just confirms." what actually happened and we've got it from five different angles and it yeah because one the of the game. back
1: angles on this one there were two other cops mm-hmm. beside the one cop holding him down so you had three cops with the guy handcuffed behind his back laying on his stomach it's like yeah. what can he do you can't you cannot with handcuff behind your back you cannot get up even if nobody is on you yeah you know you can't yeah. you, you can't get up at that point point. and all you got to do is offer enough resistance where they can't roll over to maybe they could, but they're just not, but it's just, it's just baffling to me. And, and and maybe, you know, every time this happens, you think, okay, well this is the wake up call. It can't get any worse than this. It can't get any worse than this. It can't get, and then it's like, and so I'm thinking, okay, it can't get any worse than what we've just seen. And then I'm afraid of what, if there's no change, what is that next? Exactly. What is that next? It can't get any worse. And it is, you know, it, it is a modern-day lynching, yeah. and, and I think if you call it, if you use the word lynching, that wakes people up because it's, that's such a, a powerful yeah. image. Uh, but that's, you know, that, that, at least in this occasion, um, you know, that, that's what happened. And, uh, and again, for my white friends out there, don't jump to, well, what about black-on-black crime? What about, don't, don't jump to that. Sit down and listen and hear, you know, the, the pain first. Listen, and don't get defensive, and just listen, and put your, and put your own ideas of what, you know, I, I, you know, okay, well, the majority of police officers are good. Okay, well, put all of that aside just for the moment, and try to hear, try to hear what's being said by the people who are telling you stories from their life experience that is totally different from, from my life experience, and, and that's hard to do, but, but I think that's what we have to do, um, is, just, is just take a moment and just listen and feel the pain. Uh, before we make any, you know, jump to, well, what about this or what about that? But anyway.
2: And I think it's also, um, something that we need to think about It's just like if, when you listen to people and you don't feel a, a burn in yourself to make a difference, then that says a lot about people, um. And their beliefs and, you know, their ideologies that they're having in their system or in their head, because even if it doesn't have to deal with me, but just as a human being um, listening to stories of, you know, this happened to the black community and this is other people's experiences um, of dealing with racism or dealing with the police like that should make you want to support them. Because people are telling you stories out of a place of hurt, out of a place of vulnerability. And if you don't have um, that fire inside to be there for them or help them out or help them find solutions, um, then you're a part of the problem. And you're a part of the problem. And also another thing is to realize is just, you know... The, the cops are not the only thing killing black communities. There's low funding in neighborhoods, low funding in their schooling. There's, you know, health insurance is little to none. And, you know, um, abortion rates and we have government officials trying to tell women how to um, use their bodies. Like all of this is impactful to the black community. And it just seems it's, again, a part of this system of keeping the black community out. But in reality is, without this black community, there would be no community. You know, a lot of your businesses would not be able to flourish. You wouldn't have the money that you have if it was not for the black community. Franklin is thriving and it's beautiful because of black sweat, blood, and tears on all of these buildings downtown. But these people, the power structure in Franklin, it's still the good boy, the good boy old system and racist ideology who keeps it down and it shouldn't be like that we've come way too far or we would think we've come way too far to keep the same thing going over and over again and it's going to get to a point where it's things are going to be out of control because it's we're on our last leg we're on the last leg people are being feeling hopeless they're about to start going into crisis mode to fend for their lives and things are going to get out of control. But that's why it's important as a community, we have to come together. We have to hold these people accountable. We need our government city officials to stand up and stop being silent. Stop being silent. Because we have, I have, I've seen little to no city officials in Franklin who've said anything. And it's just like you have two prominent black communities in downtown Franklin, and you have yet to show them That you care about them, and it's hurtful, and it's it's noticed. Like silence, your your silence is being seen, and this is why people are black. People are responding in the way in which they're responding. Well, Don Lemon,
0: sorry to interrupt. Don Lemon the other night called out Hollywood Mm -hmm. for a similar reason, just saying. You people are afraid of losing value in your brand instead of doing the right thing. Excuse me, I think there's just a lot of people, politicians would fall in the same category of, man, if I speak out about what's right, and we all know what's right in this is to value human life over everything is to value human life, yet there's people who are afraid of their brand diminishing because they speak out, and and I think you're 100% right that you got to speak out no matter who you are. You, you have to speak out. And it's important. And if you don't, your silence is deafening. Yep. And it's scary
2: that another scary thing to look at is a lot of these politicians and these business leaders and these pastors, they're all Christians. And we're all supposed to follow the same Jesus. And I don't know if there's another Jesus out there that I don't know about. Um, but or another Bible that's different than the one I read. Um, but Jesus speaks and his actions show that we have to stand for the oppressed. We have to stand up against the oppressor. We have to love our neighbor. No matter the color of your skin, no matter your lifestyle, your economic um, status in the community, we're all supposed to be on the same boat. And until we're able to achieve that perfect dream, then we all should be fighting until that happens. But until then, as a community, we have work to do. We have work to ensure that our black boys and black girls are able to walk down the street without their lives being in danger. We have to ensure that our Black boys and black girls have the um, resources that they need to be successful, to become business owners, to go to college, to start their own business, to not have to f- live a day in fear of their life because of racist people who are out to kill them just because of the color of their skin. And until we're able to stand up against that system, we all, we all have a fight that we all have to continue. And I think that's, that's the big dream. Whether we get there, God only knows. But we have to continue to fight at it and stand up against it and tell people we're not going to take this anymore.
0: Can't say it any better. <laughs> no, I know. I know. don't, are... don't want
1: to add or take away from <clears throat> anything you said. Just thank you so much for thank coming for and sharing. Yeah.
2: Thank you.
0: Well, thank you all for joining us on uh, Floods of Justice today. Uh, if you have more questions, comments, please feel free to reach out to us uh, this obviously is a conversation that will continue on and we hope you feel empowered from today and that uh, that you will go out there and you will stand up and you will speak out and that we will together uh, make a difference. The Floods of Justice podcast looks at the issues of our day from a biblical perspective without the labels. Join the conversation online at floodsofjustice.com or find the Reverend Dr. Kevin Riggs on Twitter at Riggs underscore Kevin.